This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. Gajan Nad is a stand-up comedian known for his family-friendly material and also his online comedy talk show video titled What's Going On Lah? So his jokes revolve around diversity, family, work, news, movies, relationships, travelling, so much more. And back in 2019, he was awarded the most promising stand-up comedian by Top 10 Malaysia. But according to him, he's not quite sure what he promised though, isn't it? But he does have a, a one-hour comedy special titled Professional Mixed Breed, which is coming up next week. So he's going to tell me more about that and what he's got promised for that show. Welcome, Gajan. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited. Absolute pleasure. So lovely to meet you. So uh, let's get to know you a little bit better, Gajan. I mean, was there a defining moment when you knew you had the ability to make people laugh? You know, were you the class clown? Was it, you know, how was it for you? So interestingly, if we rewind back to primary school, I was uh, the quiet one. Yeah, but then uh, in university, I, I, what do you call that? I took part in a talent show. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I tried to tell some jokes. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Now when I look back, I didn't find them funny. But back then, <laughs> the students found it funny, right? The community team found it funny. And uh, since then, I've just been, you know, doing it as a hobby. Because like laughing is great, but making people laugh is a whole new level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, just growing up, I know you you grew up in Penang, am I correct? Correct, like, yeah. What were those years like, you know? I mean, your family, are they the reason you're a comedian now? Uh, not really. My yeah, uh, my dad. I would say yeah, he has a good sense of humor. But I would say uh, if you talk about like humor and like comedy, it probably uh, started back when I was active in scouts, because uh, in scouts we have got uh, camps and we have got campfires. And during campfires, each patrols you know were required to actually do a dance and a sketch. And usually the best sketch is usually the funniest sketch. So I would say, uh, yeah, that's where comedy started. Uh, not stand-up, but still, you know, comedy in general, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, who would you say are some of your comedic influences? Uh, if I had to pick one, I'll just go with Trevor Noah, you know, because uh, he's like, uh, he's intelligent. Not that the rest are not intelligent, <laughs> but he is like, re- he's like an intellectual. He's an all-rounder, you know, he can host, he can do stand-up and all that. You know, uh, pretty clean as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. so he he suits my my what do you call that? My role model. Mm-hmm. Your your sort of brand of humor in that sense, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And talk to me about you know breaking into the local uh, stand up comedy scene. So how did you kickstart your career in stand up comedy? Uh, yeah, what was it like trying to break into it? Yeah, so I think it's by uh, luck as well because uh, one of my university school friends actually messaged me after he saw me perform uh, in my university and uh, he said, that, hey, why not you perform in, a, in an actual stand-up comedy show, a public show? So this was at the, the B at Publica. Uh, this show is no longer... It's really, uh, it's no longer in production. It's called Comedy Cow Cow. Oh, so it's Jason an open mic. And gang. Correct. Oh my yes. God, you, you know. Yes, right? yes. You used to interview Jason about this or so all correct. those years ago. Correct, <laughs> yeah. So I did a five minute spot. Uh, and since then, I was like, uh, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll just uh, keep coming back. Because uh, uh, being on stage and seeing people from different backgrounds laugh together, it's, uh, it's a really beautiful sight. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay, so you cut your teeth there. Um, and, you know, I know that you have a background in IT, am I correct? So, and, uh, yes. and, and you and you were you know well on your career there, or at least you had started yeah, it, right? Yeah. After, uh, how was it like? You know, when did you sort of go into stand up uh, full time? What made you go uh, take that route? I suppose, yeah. Yeah, so I was a IT consultant in Accenture. So I wasn't really IT IT because usually when uh, to the listeners when they hear IT, they say, oh, this guy's a programmer. So <laughs> not not a programmer, but more on the uh, project management side. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at that time I was doing stand-up comedy part-time and I would still label it as a hobby. 
But then in uh, 2015, after like three years of doing stand-up comedy as a hobby, I, I because I keep track of my comedy expen, uh, my my comedy income mm-hmm. and also my expenses, so I extrapolated the graph. <laughs> I like just extended <laughs> the line of the gradient, and I was like, "Hey, hold on a second, uh, it could intersect in future, which means the 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 income could you know could pay my expenses." Okay. And that's when I had a I had a vision where this uh, is not, just not a hobby, could be a career. So keyword could be. So I just kept doing it, and then in 2016, uh, the one year later, I was like, "Okay, things are getting real," uh, you know. So uh, in 2018 August, that's when I made the jump, and the reason for that is uh, I was hitting a mental threshold. Uh, I for me to move to a manager level in Accenture, I had to put in a lot of hours. Uh, at the same time, a stand-up comedy for me like to. To, to just be better, I needed more hours and all that. Sure. So that's when I knew hey, it's time to let go one of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the job, the IT job was the one that you decided to let yeah, go, right? Yeah, so it yeah. made sense for you to become a comedian at that yeah, point in time. Definitely, yeah. Okay, and how did your family take to that? I'm sure you get this question a lot, but how did yeah. the folks take to this? I They were nothing too, uh, nothing too insane, like, you know, the, the what people say, the typical Asian family. And I think it's because they, they, they saw me do it part-time. Step to step, and when I when I left my job, I already had like six hundred over shows doing part time. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't starting from ground zero. That's one. Uh, mm-hmm. Number two is they know that I'm not a finance expert, but my financial literacy is probably uh, quite okay as compared to uh, the average. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like I track my expenses. You know, I I sort of like invest my money here and there. Uh, not not trading, but just you know like long term invest. So they know okay, uh, finances is there. And then, like they also know that I've done some uh, risk management. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were confident lah in your decision as well. Yeah, but they still, you know, because they are from the boomer generation, they still <laughs> tell me like, "Gajan, you know, got no dental lah. You have to pay on your own. <laughs> got no socks, so <laughs> no EPF and all." They say, "Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I'll handle it." What will become of you, Gajan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and of course, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you got your ki- uh, your first start sort of in comedy cow cow, and that you know, uh, Dr. Jason Long used to do that. Yeah. But who are some of the other local comedians that you enjoy working with? I know this is going to sound generic, but I would say everyone is because uh, the scene is very, very small. Mm. Like everyone sort of knows each other. Uh, so yeah, which is I think good, right? Because for a scene to become an industry, uh, you know, everyone needs to know each other. So I kind of enjoy working with uh, everyone. But yeah, Dr. Jason, yeah, he's a good uh, role model because he also left a professional job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was one of the, the the few people that I actually checked with before I made the jump. Mm. Yeah. Because quite similar, isn't it? As well, I mean, he yeah. had to give up, give up medicine and everything. Same thing, like you know, parents yeah, like, right. what are you doing? But cool, yeah. good, glad to hear that. And um, of course, uh, I, I'm always curious to know what the creative process is like. So as you, me- I mean, as I mentioned in the intro, your your sort of brand of humor is more family friendly, isn't it? Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and and that is a a, a very uh, that's a decision that you made. Am I correct? Correct. So yeah, interestingly, the the day I stepped on stage, or even before, I already told myself uh, I won't. I'll make. I want to do clean stand up comedy. And definition of cleans like no vulgarity, uh, no religious jokes, no sex jokes, no political jokes. Usually, when I say this, people say, "Then Gajah, what are you joking what? about?" <laughs> But yeah, I chose this route is because uh, in stand up, this is the more difficult route, right? When you when you can't touch these topics, like okay, now now you have less to you know your your boundaries are lesser. But I purposely chose that because you know I kind of like challenge. Also, it's like the branding because that time I was like engineering background, and then after that, I I am working as an IT consultant, very corporate. And then, like you know, my the way how my parents brought me up. So I'll say, you know what? Because stand-up comedy is about 
being the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. So I thought this is a nice uh, way of uh, branding. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And talk to me a little bit about, you know, those growing up years. Because, I mean, you don't make a secret of the fact that you are of mixed parentage, yeah. right? And it, did that come to inform a lot of the, the humour that you present on stage these days as well? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, because I guess like uh, every stand-up comedian that goes up on stage needs to address his or her identity. Mm. You know, because uh, audience always ask questions like, uh, who is she? You know, who is he? So, yeah, I, I, what do you call that? I, I do have to address that on stage. Also, I feel it's, it's sort of like a representation because usually when I talk about it, uh, after a show, uh, people of like mixed parentage will come up to me and say, hey, Gajan, you know, I'm actually half Malay, half Turkish. It's nice to see you, you know, like uh, tell some jokes about, you know, the differences, you know, in uh, culture practices and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is such a beautiful thing, you know, because like there's no other scenario where a stranger will come up to you and just share the family background. You know, it's a... It's a it, <laughs> A very beautiful scene, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I guess you know you, you don't feel so alone in that sense, right? It's like a community almost, right? You're Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, any any like I'm always curious: is there any ritual that you need to, you know, observe when coming up with material? Any sort of like yeah, what is your creative process like? So uh, if you talk about jokes, well, usually I, I jot it down on my Notepad app, mm-hmm. and then when I'm when I'm free, I'll go and expand it. Yeah. Um, if you talk about before going on stage, yeah. last time I used to have, uh, last time I used to sort of like memorize a script, when I say script, like word for word. And then uh, in 2014, like this is what, like open micer time, right? Mm. Uh, I, I had a blackout on stage, like blank. Oh, and the gosh. reason is because I memorized word to word. And you, when you forget one word, your your you know, you just get disrupted. Uh, that's how memory retention works. Uh. So since that day, I said, you know what? No more, no more going word for word. I'm just going to go like just joke topic and maybe some key chapters and that's it. You know, because if you think about it, you are way smarter to to fill up the words and, you know, to to tell the story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no no exactly uh, like a ritual and all that. I know some people, they raise their hands and all that. Not, <laughs> not exactly. I just calm myself. Uh, yeah. Okay, excellent. And I just want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the past couple of years, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, it was tough for everyone. But strangely enough for you, you found your niche and you found uh, a great success actually during these, uh, these past couple of years, right? right Can you yeah. tell me about that? Yeah, so uh, I, I think let's go to the pandemic. That's the biggest one, right? Because mm. uh, no physical events. Yeah. So that was a big, uh, that was a big moment for me. Because then I'm asking, like, okay, how how do we stay adaptable, right, to the current situation? And then I, I also like uh, I applied my my consulting mind, right? <laughs> so let's look at historical data. This is not the first pandemic, right? Our planet is facing, which means there will be another pandemic. We just don't know when, right? Could be during our lifetime, could be another lifetime. We don't know. So I told myself, I need to find a long-term solution. And that's when, uh, in fact, uh, a lot of the stand-up comedy started uh, doing trial and errors with virtual comedy. So we once tried with all the mics unmuted, which is havoc, as we all know now, right? <laughs> Anything more than three mics is havoc, right? Yep. On, yep. on Zoom or Teams, right? So we started uh, trial and uh, errors and all that. And we found a, we found a, a, a nice recipe. And that's when I started making it even better, started investing in better mics, you know, uh, better uh, webcams. Uh, good thing I'm also active on LinkedIn. So that's when the, co- uh, the corporate started uh, engaging me uh, for virtual employee engagement because that was one of their pain points as well. Like uh, employees are feeling down, you know, during lockdown, not motivated, hence productivity goes down, you know, yeah. Okay, all right. And and it was really great for you, right? You developed your own show. It was uh, it was just like a good time, actually. I mean, if you can Correct. Yeah. use yeah. that phrase. Yeah. Okay, excellent. But of course, now things are, are you know, back and, uh, you know, you're on stage and all of that. Um, let me just talk about some of your uh, previous, you know, outings on stage, right? Any, I mean, you've seen your fair share of audiences. Uh, have you ever had to deal with an unresponsive crowd? You know, how did you win them over? Uh... 
interestingly, a Malaysian crowd is actually very polite. As in, if it's funny, we laugh. If it's not funny, we don't laugh. And that's it, right? <laughs> not not like a certain, uh, certain crowds in other countries, which I won't mention, sometimes they'll heckle or mm. even to the point uh, can get uh, verbally aggressive. Yeah. So yeah, Malaysians are, I would say, generally polite. Maybe the, the most hardcore one I, I faced was, uh, uh, I did a gig at a bar. Uh, I wouldn't blame the crowd. So it's the bar manager's fault and also my fault that we didn't organize it properly and we didn't tell the the customers there was a comedy show. It wasn't even ticketed. So usually when people uh, go out drinking, they go with an agenda you know, to, to chit-chat with their friend. So when I go there and tell jokes, uh, technically I'm interrupting their conversation. Yeah. So like after like uh, 10 minutes, they started going, oh, every time I talk, they go, oh, and some of them were even booing. Oh, yeah. And then by 12 minutes, I'm like, I'm done on stage. Uh. And I, I don't blame them as well uh, because uh, I would say this is more of a management <laughs> and uh, organization uh, issue. Yeah. Since then, I've, I've learned... Uh, how to uh, organize certain uh, shows. This was many years back, yeah. Okay, okay. So you learn from your mistakes, of course. Yeah. Um, and I guess those are one of some of the most memorable moments. Any other memorable moments that you'd like to share? Uh, the thing is, uh, so the good thing is, uh, there are way too many good shows to remember, which That's is great. a good thing, yeah. yeah. You, you, a lot of people, uh, like I always advise young comics, right? If they remember a good show, that means you probably had a lot of bad shows. Ouch. <laughs> if you remember a bad show, that means you probably had a lot of good shows, you know. So I guess I would stick to the, like just now was a good one, you mm. know, like people share their mixed uh, parentage. Another one would be, uh, an, after an open mic show, uh, a, a lady came up to me and said, uh, I'm so glad I brought my mother to the stand-up comedy shows because uh, she was uh, she didn't want to go out of the house, get out of the house for the last two weeks because uh, our my father passed away, oh, yeah. her husband. Mm-hmm. And I told her, why not come for this comedy show? And this is the first time I saw her laugh in two weeks. And I was like, this is such a beautiful thing you know, to hear it from someone. Yeah, but, uh, you know, things like that don't get viral, unfortunately. You know, yeah. uh, these are all like the positive things that, you know, stand-up comedy brings. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a very beautiful conversation. And uh, that was in 2015. And I was still an open micer, but to hear that is just beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess keeps you going as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. And I, I always ask this of every comedian that I speak to. There's this legend, I don't know what you want to call it, myth, belief, or whatever, right? That deep down, comedians are very dark, disturbed, and tortured souls. What is your take on that? Um... I would say, yeah, because technically we are using the, 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 the platform as a way of telling our stories. And we want to tell stories, is it needs to be something deep, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, in a way, it's sort of uh, true. And, and it's also good for, I think mentally you become healthier when you speak out. That's one thing I learned about mental health. So uh, yeah, in a way, what you say is true. Uh, also, a lot of people think that uh, stand-up comedians are like extroverts, mm-hmm. like, you know, loud and all that, because you that's what you think. Actually, that's uh, not true. A lot of them are introverts. I would classify myself as in the middle, ambivert, right? Um, and the reason for this is because we, we get most of our jokes by observing, not by going loud and, hey, how are you all, you know, like hyping yeah. and all that, yeah. yeah. So when you observe, you're usually a bit toned down, right? Because uh, technically a joke is telling, is, is telling you a story where you get the references, but we are taking it at a different angle. So when you take it at a different angle, you're observing from a different... What if, you know, this was this? You yeah. know what? Yeah, so... Yeah. so. You're doing your own experiments, isn't it? And trying to come up with your own hypothesis and the jokes in the end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it goes without saying, I mean, stand-up comedy is just a beast of its own, right? And timing, delivery of a joke, those are of utmost importance. But what do you feel is the most critical aspect of stand-up comedy? Uh, I would say you you got to be yourself. Uh. Mm. I, I know it sounds very generic, but in, in stand-up comedy, we have a term called finding your voice. Okay. So a lot of people talk, hey, what's the career progression? 
because there's no like you know analyst yeah. <laughs> assistant manager manager what's the career progression well technically is finding your voice and uh, a lot of people uh, in the in the in the industry have uh, yet to find their voice i think i've just entered a phase it's not like a binary thing i think even finding your voice is like a phase i think i'm just right at the beginning of finding your voice ever since i went full time i had more time i got to know myself better uh, i started tweaking you know because at the end of the day yeah the audience want to see the best version of yourself and in order to get that you got to you know like find your voice yeah mm-hmm. okay and um speaking of finding your voice i mean you've got an upcoming performance as we mentioned it's called professional mixed breed uh this was something that was planned for 2020 right but of course had to be cancelled uh, yeah correct yeah okay tell me you know tell me what's in store So uh this is very interesting because it's also my 10th year uh, anniversary as I started in 2012. Uh oh, yes, yeah, happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh it's also my first one hour stand up comedy special. You know as you mentioned it's supposed to happen in 2020 that got postponed/cancelled uh because uh, I need took like 30% of the jokes from that show. Mm. Uh the remaining uh the remaining uh jokes are all new, right? Written. So it'll, it'll be happening uh next Friday and Saturday which is 26 and 27th of August at uh, PJ Pack. Uh, 9 p.m. There are still uh, tickets available, so I'm really excited because I just finished a Penang show. It yes. was a solid crowd, so I can't wait to entertain the KL and uh, Slango folks. Okay, so one hour, and I guess you know personal stories, you know all those sorts of things, right? What can what can the audience expect from the show? Okay, so it's going to be clean comedy. A lot of people ask me this: if it's clean, can they bring their children? Yeah. Well, I would say uh, preferably seven and above. All right, uh, but whether they understand the jokes is another thing. But rest assured, I won't swear and all that. So, like in Penang show, some people brought their children, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I was very happy that they behaved. You know? <laughs> yeah. The seven-year-olds, you know, they might be the ones heckling you for all you know, right? They might be your first hecklers. So, as you mentioned, you know, it's happening uh, on the 26th and 27th of August. PJ Pack at One Utama. For tickets, folks just need to head to Linktree uh, slash uh, slash your name, isn't it, Gajinna? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They can actually, uh, or to make it easier, they can. And actually, just go to my social media. Okay. Just search uh, Gajana G A J N N A D, and then you'll see a pin post on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Any uh, any final sell? Any last message you'd like to leave our listeners with? I would just say, uh, you know, to to all the listeners, just stay happy. You know, uh, looking at the economic situation, looking at the traffic jam. You know, uh, do what you enjoy. You know, make sure that you invest time to do things that make you happy. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Gajan, for joining me today. Thank you so much, Juliet. I've been speaking to Gajan Nad, a stand-up comedian. Again, check out Professional Mixed Breed, which is coming up next weekend. Tickets are still available. It's happening on the twenty sixth and twenty seventh of August. PJ Pack One Utama. Uh, head to Gajan's uh, social media pages or Linktree slash Gajan Nad for more information and to buy your tickets. And if you miss any part of today's interview, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash front dash row, or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Front Row on the Bigger Picture, BFM eighty nine point nine. How many of you like horror movies? Make some noise. But Conjuring two, specifically this movie, right? On the opening day, there was a viral Facebook post that was going around. It's basically a picture of a notice that was released by a cinema company overseas, right? And this notice said, during our early screenings, some of our viewers were emotionally disturbed. Due to that, we have placed Father Perez outside of the cinema after the show, so that some of you all can get some blessings. Ladies and gentlemen, the main ghost of Conjuring Two is a holy nun. Why are you placing a holy father outside of the cinema? Can you imagine? You're in the cinema for two hours. 
You're traumatized over a holy nun. Your body is shaking, your mind is trembling, your legs are shivering. You look to the right, in the dark, you see a holy father. Oh, her boss! Don't put something related. Put something unrelated. Put a Milo truck there somewhere. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.